The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Season 5 of the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we talk with enterprise and technology platform leaders about the people, processes, and platforms that make marketing and customer experience successful, scalable, and sustainable. This is what creates an Agile brand. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom, advisor and consultant for Fortune 1000 marketing and CX leaders and teams as principal and chief strategist at GK5A and best-selling author, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, and Agile certified coach. The Agile Brand Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to teksystems.com. To sign up for the Agile Brand newsletter and get the latest insights and articles on marketing technology and CX, or to purchase a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, go to gregkillstrom.com. You can also find all my books on Amazon and other retailers. And now on to the show. Today, we're going to talk about the user experience as employee experience and how agile approaches can help teams have more successful platform and process implementations. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Carolyn Roach, VP and Senior Partner at IBM. Carolyn, welcome to the show. Greg, thank you for having me. I'm excited to spend some time together today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So why don't we get started with you giving a little background on yourself as well as uh, what you're currently doing at IBM. Sure. So I joined IBM out of college thinking I would spend two years in consulting and go back and get an MBA. And I'm in uh, lucky number 13 uh, years at IBM. I'm, as you mentioned, a vice president and senior partner who leads our customer transformation business for the communications market, which for us is utilities, media, telco, and high-tech companies. And I really focus on everything from uh, strategy, user experience design process to technology implementation, really focusing on Adobe, web, mobile, uh, Salesforce, and SAP CX platform implementations. So kind of runs the whole gamut. And I think one of the things that's most fun and most special about my job is that we get to bring together user experience design with technology. And I think ultimately that helps us see really great outcomes. But that means that we're solving people challenges every day. So that's been kind of the thing that's kept me in consulting is that there are lots of great, interesting people and lots of great, interesting business challenges to solve along the way. Wonderful. Well, yeah. And so the the first thing I wanted to talk about uh, with you is definitely centered around the user experience. And, you know, a lot of people, when they think about user experience, they think about the end customer as the, as the user. And certainly that's, that's quite often the case, but I also want to talk about that internal user and, and the, the UX for them. So a, a lot of the work you do, as you mentioned, it deals with systems like Adobe, Salesforce, SAP, and others that ultimately reach end customers because they're marketing and and communication based. But at the same time, 
they've got employees that are using them on a day-to-day basis to create content and manage manage things like that. How should companies think about user experience from an employee standpoint? Well, I'd like to start by answering that question by starting with one of my mantras, which is that a great customer experience starts by having a great employee experience. And so I think actually it's quite difficult to have a wonderful customer experience if you haven't spent time thinking about the underlying employee experience that supports that customer experience. And then likewise, I think, you know, especially with IBM being such a deep technology company, many times we come to the conversation starting with the lens of technology um, or because we're known for our technology prowess, I should say. But really, at the end of the day, you can implement the most incredible technology, most incredible and elegant technology solutions. Someone in a conversation I was having yesterday was describing their technology solution as the Lamborghini of technology solutions. But at the end of the day, if it doesn't solve the employee problem that you were trying to solve with the technology, you as a business won't get the value out of it. And so really from my perspective, one of the most important parts of thinking about employee experience is understanding the employee experience. And so actually spending time with the employees that are doing the work. And so on one project, for example, I was a client was not getting the value out of a software that they had implemented. And I sat down with a customer service representative and she said, in the old system, it was ugly, but we it was like opening the door, walking down the hallway and going out the back door. And now I feel like I'm opening the door trying locked doors and having to jump out of a third story window to get anything done. And so I think ultimately like the problem was not that the technology itself wasn't working, but that they didn't really understand how the employees were using the technology. And so this solution that they designed didn't meet the employee needs. So I think, I think that that's really critical is when you start projects really starting to understand what are people doing today? What's hard about what people are doing today? What don't they like about what people are doing today? And I think many companies spend a lot of time thinking about that from a customer experience perspective, but don't spend time actually understanding their employees' experience. And so I think that that's just as important as you're thinking about the customer transformation space is really understanding your employees experience. And then I would say one more thing you asked, you know, how should companies think about user experience from an employee standpoint? And I think one of the most important parts is thinking about people want to do well. I think most people are people pleasers. And at the end of the day, part of doing well means understanding what your metrics are, how you'll be measured and what does success look like. And I think it's really important for employees to have a gauge on that from a day-to-day perspective on how are they doing and what do they need to do better. So thinking about the metrics, building that into the process that you're building from a technology perspective, and then having clear feedback metrics along the way in terms of how am I doing as an employee? 
And did I do well? What could I have done better? And so that's true as you think about call center technology, as you think about sales, as you think about field service. What are those kind of check marks that you can have along the way for employees? This has become incredibly popular for us as we look at field service. We've been spending time looking at things like the Peloton streaks or uh, Snapchat streaks and thinking about how can we build that into employee technology so that there are streaks and badges and continuous feedback for employees as they go through their day-to-day lives of doing their jobs. But I think that that's really important as you, as you design a user experience to make sure you're including the feedback loop to create a good uh, employee experience. Yeah, to completely agree. And I just want to say, I, lo- I love your mantra, by the way, and to completely agree that customer experience and employee experience, they, they go hand in hand and, and really uh, they can't be done sustainably, you know, one, one without the other. So com- completely agree with that. To, to follow on to the, the measurement and, and metrics piece, definitely agree that, you know, in order to sustain that um, success, there, there needs to be measurement. Could you maybe give a little more detail on, you know, what, what are some of the ways that the user experience can be quantified from that employee experience? Like in your experience, what are, what are some of the metrics that are used? Well, one of the metrics that I like the most as a whole that I think is a great one that is probably underutilized is net promoter score or NPS. And, and the reason that NPS is powerful, you can use NPS for your own employees from it, for example, in terms of measuring their satisfaction, but you can also get customer NPS and give that back to employees directly. And so I think it's a very powerful tool in a variety of different job types. So for example, from a sales perspective, you can have your customers NPS and know how they are feeling about you, but then you can actually have a conversation with your customer about why they gave you that NPS. And I think it can be a great relationship building tool. Likewise, I think it's helpful in customer service. I think it's helpful in field service. I think it's helpful even in our internally facing organizations like finance and HR. NPS is an incredibly helpful tool in understanding in the moment why someone is rating you the way they are and what you what you can do to be recommended, which I think ultimately is a great measure. So I think that NPS is something that almost every organization should be thinking about how they use and how they scale it as a feedback tool, both for their own organization and, and ultimately for whatever customers or, or clients they work with. Yeah. But then I think ultimately... There are a ton of measures that we look at as we think about the customer experience in something like a website or a mobile app. So we look at clicks, we look at conversion rates, we look at things like first call resolution, or there are even technologies that look at rage clicking. And when someone's so frustrated on a website that they're rapidly clicking their mouse, that that is called rage clicking. I think that those those same tools that we look at in terms of the overall customer experience can be quite useful in the employee experience. And so having some analytics around, you know, where are people falling out of a process as an employee or 
why are some employees more effective than others? I think many of the same metrics we look at from a customer experience perspective are quite useful from an employee perspective. And, and the good news is there's a lot of technology that kind of help you do that. So tools like Salonis, for example, can um, track process compliance and help you identify those areas. So I think that that's a very powerful type of tool and process to include as part of your platform is understanding where people are falling out of the process along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so rage clicking has now been added to my vocabulary. So I uh, thank you for that. (laughs) So uh, I I think I've done it before, but I I didn't, I didn't know there was a word for it. So that's great. Let's talk about another another topic here. Certainly, uh, that we're partial to here on the the Agile Brand Podcast, which is Agile. And you know, anyone who has successfully implemented Agile principles and practices in their organization or team knows it goes well beyond simply subscribing to the rituals of Scrum or well maintained Kanban boards. You know, what, whatever the case may be. What are many teams and organizations getting wrong about Agile? Well, I'm sure you could write a book about what organizations get wrong about Agile. I but might I would have. Say, I think, yeah. Yeah, okay, well, there you go. Um, I think that the most consistent thing that I see is that Agile principles and practices are used, but business and IT are still separate. And so the agile team is not really an agile team, but there's a product owner reporting to the business who's somewhat integrated maybe to the dev team that's in IT. And then maybe there's another team for testing. And so you're not really getting that cross-functional team uh, for your agile squad that you need to really be effective. And because of that organizational split, there's politics and friction and you're not empowering the team. And so many of the other processes and governance tools around successfully using Agile struggle because of the way you initially structured the team. So I find a lot of my day-to-day is in trying to coalesce between the business and IT and kind of bring together on a common goal. But I think Really, if I were going to fix that problem, I would start by thinking about how do you create really, truly one cross-functional team as an agile squad rather than continuing to keep business and IT separate. Before we continue, let's take a quick break. If you're like many marketing leaders today, you're inundated with a need to improve the customer experience across an increasing number of channels and touch points, all while ensuring your team is performing well, innovating, and continuously improving. So how do you find the time to determine what's next for you, your team, your brand, and your customers? My company, GK5A, can help. Whether it is advisory services, evaluation of marketing technology platforms and solutions, or digital agencies and implementation partners, or assistance with creating strategic roadmaps and prioritization of efforts. We've done it all and served as an ally to Fortune 1000 brands and industries like financial services, healthcare, consumer electronics, professional services, and more. You can learn more about these services and contact us at www.gk5a. That's www.gk5a.com. Now let's get back to the show. How can, because there's so much 
transformation going on. You know, I know digital transformation is a is a often used term, but it still applies because there's there's so many organizations going through some type of transformation. With this, there's teams are sometimes reluctant to change and for for good reasons and some just they have less information and and so on and so forth how can agile approaches help teams that are undergoing these process and platform changes you know how can it help them in the, in the long run or even as as the change is happening well i would answer that in kind of a roundabout way by mentioning that one of the kind of key tools that IBM uses or methodologies rather that I should say is um, something called IBM Garage. And essentially what IBM Garage is, is taking user-centered design and meshing it with Agile. So I think one of the things that's so powerful about that is it keeps users at the core of the process and platform change. And why that's important from my perspective is kind of coming back to the first question you asked me of why is user experience design important? You can design the best platform in the world, but if it doesn't actually solve your user problems, whether that's your customer or your employee, you don't really get value out of it. And so I think one of the things that's really powerful about an agile approach that has users at the center of it is it's not that you're just thinking of doing some user research and setting a product roadmap at the beginning of a engagement, but that users are at the center of your project throughout. And that means that there is part of, they're part of demos. You're getting feedback along the way. They are helping you prioritize your backlog. And so you have these sponsor users that are representing and support representing your user population and supporting your product owner that help you kind of plow through some of the other noise that can surround this type of project. So for example, politics or prioritization, it becomes very easy to kind of put those aside when your user is saying, this is my problem. Um, it's, a, it's a lot harder to kind of go back and forth about what you should prioritize when you have the user saying very clearly what the problem is. And so I think agile approaches combined with having users as part of the agile approaches can help you not only have a clearer and more streamlined process and platform design, but also really help you seek more or see more business value out of the projects that you're pursuing. Yeah. And and to follow on that, uh, because, because you certainly touched on, on governance, but you know, in your experience, how do you maintain good governance over agile and, you know, not just simply do the rituals and, uh, you know, you shut your brain off, you do the you do the rituals and then, uh, you know, really not get the benefits of Agile. So, you know, how, how do you maintain that governance in an effective way? Well, I would say two things. One is I think you can still get some benefit out of Agile principles, even in pieces. And I think that there's a lot of power in Agile principles, even in pieces. So for example, shifting testing left, even if you just do kind of more iterative development and testing, I think that there's a lot of power in test-driven design, having your developers partake in testing and not having 
totally separate testing phases, but understanding where your bugs are sooner in the process. So I would say, I think even in pieces, there's value in agile, but more broadly speaking, your question was, how do you maintain governance over agile? And I think that that requires top-down support. And so that requires top-down support in terms of how you form the team and in bringing business and IT together and having a cross-functional team that requires top-down support in terms of budget and how you're budgeting for the team. I think one of the things I see is that there's often the budget to release the product, but not to iterate on the product. So thinking about how you're budgeting differently, and then ultimately top-down support in having your users as part of it and responding to your user feedback. So I think that that's really key is aligning on what your goals are from that perspective and then making sure that every part of your organization is going to enable that because without it, you don't have the empowered squads that really are the hallmark of Agile. Yeah, yeah. So last topic I wanted to talk about with you something that I know you're passionate about and I also strongly believe that it builds better teams and gets better results and that's uh, diversity and, and diversity in teams so what are some of the ways that diversity creates better results and and more high performing teams well I and I've shared this with you Greg but as a little bit of context, I am a mom and I have three little kids, a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a two-year-old. So my my house is crazy always. I also have a mom with dementia who I'm a caregiver for. And so, you know, I think one of the things that I've struggled with in my own career is finding examples of other people who've had kind of similar personal challenges as I have. And that was a little bit daunting for me in saying like, can I do this career? And what does that look like for me? As I've kind of gotten more comfortable in my roles, I've really spoken a lot about the power of diverse teams and, and sharing my own experience. And so I think one of the one of the answers of how do you create diverse teams is being open about all of our experiences that we face because ultimately everyone has parents, many people have kids. And so, so kind of sharing about that experience is I think part of the power of creating diverse teams, but ultimately why do diverse teams create great results? Well, if I'm charged with thinking about user experience it's really hard to think about user experience if I don't bring people with different perspectives to designing that user experience. And so it's equally important to have a mom with aging parents as it is to have someone who's just out of college and um, representing kind of that population as it is to have someone who may not be as technology comfortable or literate and yeah. and bringing those perspectives together helps us actually design experiences that reflect the experiences of our users. And so without having a diverse team, I, I would have a very hard time doing user experience work well. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you touched a little bit on this just now as well, but I wanted to ask about how you create that, that culture that embraces diversity. I mean, I know, you know, over the last few years, I think as many terrible things that the pandemic brought us, I, I do think that one one thing that I saw shift was because we were all working from home and on Zoom, you know, eight, nine hours, 10 hours a day, sometimes we started showing a little bit more of ourselves. And so, you know, I, what I would say is, you know, pre-pandemic, 
if your cat or dog or if your kid walked in the background of your Zoom meeting, it was almost like unprofessional or, or something like that. And now it's part of life. And, and I think we're all a lot more open to we've got a, you know, we work from home, many of us at least hybrid and, and stuff. And so I think that's a very positive thing that, you know, we started talking about the things that are challenges and, and things that either make us different or, or make us, uh, you know, make us more alike one another. And, but, you know, I'm curious your perspective on this as well as, you know, what, what are some of the things that help create a, a culture that, that embraces diversity and, and, how do leaders or how can leaders help this as well? Well, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head, which is, you know, there's a lot of talk about bringing your whole self to work. But I think part of that starts by leaders bringing their whole selves to work and showing a little bit of the messy behind the scenes. And so sometimes like this morning, my one son slammed my other son's finger in the door and my two-year-old needed a hug. Right. So I think like we all have those situations where there's messy behind the scenes where things are hard or tricky. And I think part of that is being a little bit vulnerable in talking about some of those things. As another example, you know, one of the things that was most intimidating to me about coming back to work after I had kids was like, I literally had never heard anyone talk about how do you pick a kid up from daycare while managing your call schedule? Or how do you travel with while you're breastfeeding? Like those things, like quite honestly, people weren't talking about like breasts at work, like, oh my God, you know what I mean? Like (laughs) I think people felt very uncomfortable about it. And so, but I think if you start by sharing a little bit about yourself personally. I think others feel more comfortable to share about their own problems, which may not be the same problems as yours, but at least they can see that you're human, that you have some messiness um, at home, that you've kind of plowed through that messiness and you'll help them plow through their messiness. And I think ultimately that helps people feel comfortable being part of the team. And so I think to your point on the pre-pandemic culture, I I almost feel like it was like kind of this buttoned up, everything's perfect and glossy and whatever, when that's really not the reality of any of us. And so whether that's your dog barking or your kid crying or whatever, I think we all have a little bit of, you know, chaos behind the scenes. And I think obviously in an appropriate way, it's good to share that and share about how you've plowed through those things or what's worked or what hasn't. And that makes it easier for others on your team to see that there's there's a path to creating that for themselves, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, love it. Well, uh, Caroline, thanks so much for joining the show. I've got one last question for you before we wrap things up. You've already given a ton of great advice already, but one one more piece of advice. Uh, you know, what would you recommend to companies that are perhaps implementing a new platform or even thinking about implementing a new platform. And, you know, they know they need to be successful from that external perspective, of course, with their end customers, but also successful internally. What should they be thinking as they navigate the months ahead? I would say I think my all-encompassing one piece of advice would be (laughs) invest in the people. And that goes from research to including the people as part of your project to change management. But I also think that 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 goes into investing in iterating and realizing that you won't get it right 
100% the first time. And so um, making sure you're investing in getting feedback from people and then updating as you go. And again, like coming back to the power of Agile, I think one of the things that's amazing about Agile is it allows you to iterate and to recognize that you don't get it right on the first time and that these big, massive projects, you might need to update some things along the way that you didn't, you made an assumption that wasn't quite right. And so invest in the people and make sure you're getting feedback along the way as you, as you plan your project. Wonderful. Great advice. Well, again, I'd like to thank Carolyn Roach, VP and Senior Partner at IBM for joining the show. You can learn more about Carolyn and IBM by following the links in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.gregkillstrom.com. That's G-R-E-G-K-I-H-L-S-T-R-O-M.com. To get a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, visit my website or you can find it on Amazon or other retailers. The Agile brand is produced by Missing Link, a Latina-owned, strategy-driven, creatively-fueled production co-op. From ideation to creation, they craft human connections through intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Until next time, stay agile.